A blessed morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Praise and peace to God, from God to you, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord be with you. I'm glad to be sharing God's word uh, with you today. My sermon is the fifth in the series for the Sermon on the Mount. Now, to test if you were alert during last week's sermon, how many of you remember this picture? The next one. How many of you remember this? Oh, good. You're listening to a sermon. It is the favorite toy of baby Caris, the daughter of Pastor Ben Lau and Claire. And uh, in his sermon last week, Pastor Ben spoke about how her toy was lost and they hunted high and low for it. And with much prayer and to their relief, they found it next to their car park space. And so Pastor Ben's story reminds me of the sermon title for today, Finding Your Treasure. Truly, this little toy is a treasure in the eyes of the Lao family, for it is precious to Caris. However, I'll be speaking about the treasure each of us need to find this morning. My sermon text is taken from Matthew 6, 19 to 34, and I'll be reading from verses 25 to 34. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whatever you have, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in, in barns for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith. So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. This is the word of God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and redeemer. Amen. The story was told of a first century Hebrew who walks alone on a hot afternoon, staff in hand, his shoulders are stooped, his tunic stained with sweat. But he does not stop to rest. He has pressing business in the city. He veers off the road into a field, seeking a shortcut. The field is uneven, and to keep his balance, he thrusts his staff into the dirt. The staff strikes something hard. He stops, wipes his brow, and he pokes again. Something is under there. It is not a rock. The tired traveler's curiosity wins out. He jabs at the ground. Something reflects a sliver of sunlight. 
and then he drops to his knee and starts digging. He uncovers a metal box with a gold trimming. And by the looks of it, it has been there for decades. Hands now shaking and the heart raising, he pries off the lock and opens the lid. Whoa! Gold coins, jewelry, precious stones, a treasure more valuable than anything he could ever imagine. A wealthy person must have buried the treasure and died without revealing its secret location. There are no houses nearby. Surely the current owner of the field has no clue this ancient treasure is there. The traveller checks to see no one is around, and then he buries the chest, marks the spot, turns around and heads home. Only now he is not plodding, but skipping happily like a child and smiling broadly. What an unbelievable find. He has to get that treasure, but he cannot just take it, because by law, whoever buys a field assumes ownership of all that is, that is in it. But can he afford it? Yes, if he sells everything he has, his farm, his crops, all the tools, and also his prized oxen. And that would be enough. And so from the moment of his discovery, the man's life changes. The treasure completely captures his heart and becomes his new center of gravity. He will take every step possible to possess it, even giving up all his treasured possessions. How many of you find this story familiar? Oh, only one. Uh. Yes, it is one of the stories Jesus told. And being a great storyteller, the Lord captured this story with only one verse. What might that verse be? Anyone? The one who raised your hand, what verse? That might be. Yes, brother, I think I hear you. You say Matthew 13.44. Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. Can I have the slides, please? Which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. The main point of the story, God's kingdom is the finest anyone can find. Its value is greater than anything in the world and it is worth any sacrifice to find. And so friends, my expanded version of this story is adapted from Randy Alcorn's book, The Treasure Principle. The stories told by Jesus captivated the early disciples and convicted their hearts so deeply that after his death and resurrection, they gave, they gave their all even unto death to seek his kingdom. And we are told from tradition how some of the disciples died. Matthew was slain with a sword in Ethiopia. Mark died in Alexandria after being cruelly dragged through the streets. Luke was hung on an olive tree in Greece. And Peter was crucified upside down in Rome. As disciples of Jesus in 21st century Singapore, we may not be called to martyrdom as our Jewish Christian brothers were, but the command concerning God's kingdom is still the same for us today. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need.
We all know the Lord's Prayer. In fact, we just sing it. We usually sing or recite it every Sunday. It was the topic of Pastor's Ben's sermon last Sunday. And I'm not going to ask what did ask you what did Pastor Ben share. But I'm going to say that there's the deeper, deeper implication of the Lord's Prayer. You know that when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we are actually asking God to help us seek His kingdom and live righteously so that Jesus may reign over us and all the earth now and forever. Can I hear an amen to this one? And so let us look closer at the prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We will seek your kingdom. Can I have a slide, please? We will seek your kingdom. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We live, we will live righteously. For thy is the kingdom and the power and the glory forevermore. And so God, we desire Jesus' reign over us and the whole earth now and forever. Amen. Would you give your all, including your earthly treasures, to find God's kingdom, your ultimate treasure? How many of us will do that? While many of us on our discipleship journey may sincerely say yes and amen, but the one thing that usually holds us back is our constant worries about the future. Would you be surprised to know that the early disciples has had as many worries as us even when Jesus was with them? James and John were worried about their aging parents. Peter was worried about his sick mother-in-law. Martha was worried about numerous things when Jesus visited her and her sister, Mary, at their home. You and I, brothers and sisters, worry about many things too. Our health, our finance, investments, children, aging parents, job security, and so on. And some of us even worry about our worries. Jesus understands our daily struggles to obey Him without constantly worrying about what tomorrow brings. And in the Lord's Prayer, He reflects our worries when He taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. In essence, He's telling us to depend on our Father for our daily provision as He knows we constantly worry about not having enough or losing what we already have. In Matthew 6.33, Jesus has a promise for those who seek His kingdom. And so listen carefully, brothers and sisters. He will give you everything you need. Sounding like any loving parent reassuring the children of His provision, Jesus, Jesus reminds us six times, six times not to worry in Matthew 6.25 to 34. I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. So, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. If you are still with me, can I see your hand? 
Yeah, thank you very much. And so let me summarize these 10 verses above in 10 words. Seek God's kingdom first. God will provide. Do not worry. So can you say these 10 words with me together? Seek God's kingdom first. God will provide. Do not worry. Amen? Amen. So imagine with me as we go back to the time when the early disciples heard these words from Jesus for the first time. How do you think they would respond? Seek God's kingdom first. Yes, we will make him king. God will provide. Mm, okay, la, no problem. The people who support Jesus invite us to big feasts and the Lord himself can turn water into wine. No more worries. <laughs> You must be crazy. How can we not worry? We do not know where our next meal is coming from. And nobody is taking care of our families while we follow Jesus around. Friends, there was a time when I was extremely anxious about my future. It was 18 years ago when I was still working in the corporate world. I had heard many testimonies of God's miraculous provisions through church friends. All along, I had been the one working hard to provide for my family. And so did, I did not quite trust God to take over. After hearing, the Lord will provide. And how many of you have heard this? The Lord will provide. Countless times, it became a cliche to me. God was speaking through my circle of friends, but I chose to ignore Him. One day, I decided to find this phrase in the Bible and saw Genesis 22:14. It says, Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. In Genesis 22, God put Abraham's faith and obedience to the test by asking him to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. The three-day journey to Mount Moriah where the sacrifice was to take place must have felt like going to the gallows for Abraham. However, this story has a happy ending as Abraham passed the test with flying colors and God spared Isaac's life by providing the sacrificial lamb. And so as I ponder this story, God opened my eyes to the fact that Abraham had a three-day journey to prepare him to come to terms with his decision. You know, he must have wrestled with God during those three days as he walked with Isaac by his side. But in the spirit of, of submission, Abraham gave in. And so it became clear to me that what God wanted was Abraham's heart and not his sacrifice. You know, this revelation was timely as I had heard God's call to leave the corporate world. I wanted to obey but felt it was impossible to do so. And at that time, I was the sole breadwinner with two teenagers the older one in A-levels, and the younger in secondary school. My older daughter had a childhood dream to be a veterinarian, which meant, which meant she had to study overseas. And I wondered how my family and I could live on savings if I became a theological student even before my daughter went to vet school. You know, we had many lifestyle adjustments to make, including selling our private apartment, which had a big housing loan. Through the story of the sacrifice of Isaac, 
I saw clearly that God wanted my heart more than my sacrifices. He did not expect me to give everything up, but to give in to Him. He desired me to put Him first before everything and take that journey of faith to submit in obedience. And I was not to worry about losing my earthly treasures or where the provisions would come from. Instead, if I were to trust and obey Him completely, He will. He will provide because it is in His nature to provide for His children. Incidentally, on my, first, on my birthday in 2005, I gave myself to God's call. I resolved to trust Him completely to provide for all my needs and to, give, and to give all I had to serve God. And so I put my desire into action. I informed my bosses I would be resigning from the company to pursue full-time study at Trinity Theological College. I gave them a year's notice. And shortly after that, a series of interesting events happened. At the church camp in Kuala Lumpur, my wife and I received prophetic messages from the speaker and fellow participants. Pastor Benny Ho, who many of you know, told us he saw our life as an open book in which God was going to write good things. Some of our campmates assured us with God will provide, God will open doors and be courageous. One evening, our neighborhood doctor who was also a church friend came to our home to assure us he would provide for our medical needs during my time at TTC. My older daughter's teacher gave us a love gift when she heard of my decision to go full-time. However, the most amazing assurance came from a colleague in my company. You know, she came one morning with a check and, whole, and told me God wanted her to give me some money. Of course, I declined as I, as I would still be employed for another nine months. My colleague struggled with God's instruction as she also felt I was, that it was premature. However, God told her specifically that the money was to affirm me of his provision in the days ahead. So I accepted the check, but I did not bank it in. I mean, the reason is obvious, isn't it? A few days later, this colleague came to me and asked why. She said she had no peace with God if I did not take the money. Guess what she did? She brought me to the ground floor of our office where the ATM was, withdrew the money, passed the cash to me, and with a sigh of relief, she says, she said, my work is done. Now you can keep the check. To this day, the first check with God provided remains in my journal. It expired long ago, but it continues to be a powerful reminder of the promise God made to my family and I, and this promise will never expire. Throughout my 14 years of ministry as a pastor, God has faithfully provided for us. I have no doubt today that God will provide for us beyond my working years as I give my all to seek His kingdom and be obedient to my calling as Abraham was. Friends, does this mean I no longer worry? Unfortunately, 
No, far from it. God forgive me for that. But he knows that I will. As I approach my retirement in four years' time, I'm worried about my health. I'm not as strong as before since I caught COVID a second time last November. In addition to a lingering cough, I've been suffering from a nasty ear infection for many months. The ENT doctor has advised me to go for surgery. And when I confided my apprehension, my worry to a close friend, he said this, you do not have to worry if you go for surgery. God is on your side. Yes, my friend, if you're watching the sermon, I'm no longer worried about my surgery because I have God on my side and your support has encouraged me. So what do I do whenever I worry? I turn to God through personal and corporate prayers. I also confide in my small group members. And even as I speak, they are praying for me. And I confide in close friends so that they could pray for me too. In fact, Jesus' words in Matthew 6, 19-24 give us three things we must do to manage our worries and seek God's kingdom. You know, in the interest of time, I will not be reading the scripture text. Firstly, treasure the things that God treasure. Jesus told the story of a rich man who had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. The man did not have enough room to store all his wheat and other goods from the great harvest that year. So he tore down all his buns and built bigger ones. And being pleased with his achievement, with pride, he said to himself, Yay, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now, take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you work for? Then Jesus said, So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Friends, Jesus is not saying we live our lives without planning for emergencies or preparing for the future. Instead, he's cautioning us not to spend all our time and energy gathering wealth and storing it away for ourselves because wealth does not last. Rather, we must use our time and wealth generously to invest in things that God treasure, which will last till eternity. If you agree with me, can I hear an amen to this one? Deuteronomy 26 verse 18 says this, The Lord has declared today that you are his people, his own special treasure, just as he promised, and that you must obey all his commands. Now the Bible assures us the one thing that God treasure is you, you and you and me. And you turn to your neighbor and say, you are God's own special treasure. Amen. Amen. Now, in early February, we visited the wake of an old friend, Jerry Ang. He was an avid cyclist who celebrated his 60th birthday in June last year by cycling crazy 
601 kilometers around Salita Air Base in 24 hours. And barely five months after that feat, he fell while cycling and was in a coma for 71 days before passing away. A sudden death is not what anyone would expect, especially of a God-fearing man who was strong and healthy. Although Jerry left us unexpectedly, he left behind something very precious. An honest man of simple faith, his constant refrain was, trust God. Jerry invested his life daily in his family, friends, colleagues, church friends, and students. His treasures were banked in the storehouses of heaven where nothing could ever destroy. And it is from this eternal bank account his wife and two grown children can draw on as they grieve with hope in the days ahead. Jerry's wife said this about him. Quote, Cycling buddies address him as master church friends as Abang, colleagues as Sufu, which means teacher, students as coach, his family as boy, but to me, he is Jerry, a husband who simply loves me for who I am. His son's eulogy is also enriched with, Jesus, with Jerry's, Jerry's treasures. And let me read an extract, quote, what is love? Love is praying for me every day. Love is telling me that success is in pleasing the Lord, not man. Love is listening to me talking for hours without interrupting. Love is texting me a Bible verse every day. Love is hard, but Daddy loves me. End quote. Love is hard. But our Heavenly Father loves you and I. You and I are His treasured possessions. The second thing we do is to focus on things God focused on. Jesus used the eye in a figurative sense to deal with our spiritual vision. In the spiritual realm, our eyes can focus on what is bad, things that are opposed to the kingdom of God, or focus on what is good, things that advance the kingdom of God. And if we have a bad or unhealthy eye, life is viewed as an opportunity to invest in things and to use people to bring comfort and pleasure for our own selfish interests and benefits. Conversely, a healthy spiritual vision enables us to clearly focus on things God focuses on. And to me, one of, one of the things is the extension of His kingdom on earth. In Acts chapter 6, we read, that, we read that a brand new church in Jerusalem had a problem. The Greek widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. And this may seem like a minor problem, but to the widows, it was serious as they were starving. And so the church sprang into action to solve the problem. And verse 7 tells us how the story ended. And we might expect verse 7 to confirm the solution and say this, So they fed 
the Greek widows adequately and they were happy. Was that the verse? Not at all. Not at all. Verse 7 says this, huh? And the word of God continued to increase and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. How did the number of believers increase from the execution of a simple fleeting plan? When the neighbors and bystanders saw the widows being cared for lovingly and honestly by the church, the love of God stirred their hearts and unleashed the power of the gospel. Without deliberation, the kind and general actions by the church actually caused the gospel to spread like wildfire, igniting the hearts of people and stirring them to seek God's kingdom. And I pray, and I pray, and I thank God that our church continue to focus on the extension of the kingdom of God on earth. Amen. The third thing we do to manage our worries and seek God's kingdom is to serve God, not money. Now, a rich man came to Jesus and asked what he must do to have eternal life. And knowing the man's heart desired more wealth, you know, he covered for more wealth even though he was already very rich. And Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. That faithful day, the young man chose his wealth and lost his ticket to heaven. And most importantly, the opportunity to live an abundant life with Christ while he, is, he, was, he was on earth. Money was his God. Yet there was another man, rich in, another rich man in the 13th century who made a radical choice. His name is Thomas Aquinas. How many of us know him? Or at least read, read about him. He was born into nobility and grew up in his family castle in a big Italian town. He was expected to enter the church to succeed the uncle, his uncle, in the coveted post of the abbot of the Benedictine monastery in Monte Cassino. Surprisingly, Thomas had no interest in prestige and power. At 19, he decided to join a newly created Dominican order, a begging group of monks dedicated to poverty and itinerant preaching. And of course, his family opposed his decision. They even kidnapped him from the Dominicans and imprisoned him in a fortress for two years. But Thomas, unmoved by whatever they did, he was finally permitted to join the order. He then studied at various universities for many years and became an authoritative religious philosopher who was most influential in medieval time. And in one of his arguments, Thomas argued that the idols of money, power, pleasure and honour leave us dissatisfied. Why? Because they are not what we need as complete persons. 13th century. Let me bring you back to the current 21st century with the testimony of a staff member of Wesley, Emmeline Tan, who echoes Thomas' view about money. This is what she says. About money, I experienced a spectrum of extreme perspectives. 
prior to joining Wesley, I worked in a good paying job for many years. The job took care of everything I would ever need or want. Not understanding God then, I splurged on intellectual pursuits, expensive food, the best hotels on holidays, branded bags and changed cars simply because I got tired of their look. There was numbness when it came to money. I simply could not feel the value of money because I had so much. In 2019, before COVID reached our shores, I stopped work and stayed briefly in a monastery in Nepal. There was not much to do every day except feed the orphans and listen to monastic chanting and sounds of nature. Living a simple lifestyle and working with my hands, I began to appreciate the value of each dollar I spent for my daily needs, such as a packet of vegetables or a bottle of sesame oil. When COVID struck and we were put in a lockdown, I recalled the monastic living experience and practiced ascetic living to deal with the situation. Through praying, eating one meal a day, exercising, and helping to pick up rubbish in my neighborhood because cleaners were confined in dormitories. I experienced inner joy and noticed I needed less and less resources to sustain my daily life. I joined the staff team of Wesley last year. While I now earn a fraction of what I used to get, I'm able to feel and find meaning with what I am given. The reason is simple. Now I serve God, not money. End quote. And so friends, let me end, or let me end by summarizing what I've said for the last 30 minutes. God's kingdom is the ultimate treasure worth our sacrifice. We must seek earnestly. God promised to meet all our needs. We really do not have to worry. But just in case, just like me, if you worry, Jesus actually gave us three things we can do. Treasure the things that God treasure. Focus on things God focus on and serve God and not money. Amen.